Blessed be the name of the Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you've gone to this church any length of time, you'll know that our vision is to reach up in worship, reach out in evangelism, reach in through discipleship by the word of the Lord. I'm very glad to be a part of that vision. Amen. How many know God's doing great things in our church? Great things in our church. We're so excited about this Saturday. Amen. 1,500, 2,000 people going to be coming through our campus, and we're going to be able to shine the light of Jesus into their lives. And uh, we're just, there's no telling what's going to happen. God is opening doors, and God is blessing. Amen. We have a, uh, a text thread with all of our campus pastors and their wives, and uh, the last couple days, it's just been blowing up a little bit. And I thank God for it, just the testimonies of what is happening in our other campuses, of people being baptized, and and uh, just, it's, it's just an amazing thing to be a part of this vision. And I thank God for it. And so uh, it is the vision of not just this campus, but the vision of all of our campuses. Reach up in worship, reach out in evangelism, reach in through discipleship by the word of the Lord. And uh, for many years, specifically our campus here, uh, we, we seemed to struggle the most of those three directives. We seemed to struggle the most uh, with re- the reaching out portion uh, of, of that vision. And, um, uh, but I'm so glad to report that we as a church are moving forward in this area. And I thank God for it. Amen. I thank God for it, that we are moving forward. Now, are, are, we're, are we where we want to be? That's, that's tough to say. Are we where we want to be? Amen. No, we're not, but we're, we're moving forward. Thank God. Amen. And I'm not where I want to be in this uh, specific directive of reaching out, but I, I, I want to move forward. And I'm, the Lord is helping me, and I believe he's helping uh, more than, than just a few people to move forward in this area. And I believe that many are beginning to reach out to those that are unsaved like never before. We're beginning to reach out to those that are unchurched like never before. And I thank God for that. Amen. I realized that uh, just within the last month or so, I, I taught a several-week series on evangelism, but uh, I, I feel the Holy Ghost has prompted me to just kind of keep talking about it a little bit, and uh, we just want to flow in the Holy Ghost and allow the Holy Ghost to speak to the church. Uh, when, it, when it comes to this campus specifically, I, I, don't, I don't feel uh, like we need to convince the church of our responsibility to reach out. I don't feel that. I don't feel like we need to convince people that we need to reach lost people. Like we don't know it. You know, I I think we all know it. I think we all know that it is our responsibility to do so. I think we all know that this is what God has called us to do. And the mandate and the vision. And we want to be a part of the vision. And so we need to reach out. I don't feel like we need to to be convinced uh, of how to do it. I think we need to be instructed. I think we need to be instructed on how to do it, how to reach out to our unsaved friends, how to reach out to our unsaved family members and coworkers. And so with the Lord's help, I just tonight I just want to give some, some practical, personal evangelism teaching, all right? that I hope is going to help us to be able to, to get some insight, some understanding, some knowledge, some revelation, some instruction, so that when we leave this building, 
Amen. We can be a, a witness for the glory of God like never before. Somebody said amen. Is that all right? The word of the Lord says it like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I would like to pull the principal instruction that the Lord here gives us in this text and teach tonight on this subject simply this, salt and light. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're salt and you're light. Now, we're, we're only going to get to God's request of you and I to be salt this evening. And uh, so we, we, we will tackle the subject of light at next time. But what does it mean? What does it mean? We're just going to talk a little bit here tonight. But what does it mean for you and I to be the salt of the earth? When the word of the Lord says you're the salt of the earth, what does that mean? I believe that in order to answer that question and to strive to fully understand this biblical request that the Lord is speaking of concerning you and I, we must first understand that uh, or, or why, rather, God chose this commodity called salt for you and I to be like. Of everything that he could have chose for, for what he wanted to uh, uh, use as an illustrative commodity for you and I to be. Why is it that he chose this commodity called salt? So it is that as I studied it out, I found out that during biblical times, the salt that is being referenced here was a very impure salt. Today we have a very pure salt. But back in this time it was a very impure salt that they would just go out uh, on the Dead Sea and, and the, the, there was such a salty sea and it would evaporate and leave behind this salt but the salt would be mixed with the mud and the rocks and on and on and on and they would kind of gather this up and this is what would be used. And so it was a very impure salt that was mixed with all kinds of other things and because of that, during times of high moisture or rain or flooding, the sodium chloride salt being the most soluble in water, it would dissolve and it would wash away. But what was interesting is that it would leave behind a white powder that looked very similar to salt. But it didn't have any of the flavor of salt. It didn't have the preservatives of salt. It just looked like salt. It didn't have the potency of salt. It didn't have the quality of salt. It just looked like salt. And this is what Christ is, I believe, warning us of tonight. For how many know it is not his will for you and I to just look like Christians? Come on, somebody to just outwardly look like Christians. But how many know we are to inwardly have the potency and the qualities of being a true Christian? Oh, hallelujah. 
I, I couldn't help but uh, remember as I was studying for this message and, 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 and coming to this point many, many years ago. It was a Sunday. We preached. We went home. My wife had her, we had our customary roast beef dinner. And uh, I like a little salt on my roast beef. Put a little gravy on it. Put some salt on it. Come on, somebody. Sounded real good yesterday. <laughs> some of you know what I meant. Some of you don't. <clears throat> and so I, I, I asked my wife, passed me the salt. So I got the salt, put some salt on, took a bite. Didn't taste any different. Got the salt, put some salt on, didn't taste any different. Four or five times I dumping all this salt on the roast beef and the gravy, and it didn't taste any different until we realized later that some precious saint of God had come into our house when we weren't there and had dumped all the salt out and had put sugar in its place. See, it looked outwardly like salt, but it sure didn't taste like salt. It looked like it, but it wasn't it. We don't want to just say we're the church. We want to be the church. Right? We don't want to just talk a good game. We want to, we want to back up who we are in Christ and who God has called us to be as the church of the living God. We don't want to just call ourselves the called out ones. We want to truly act like the called out ones. We don't want to just say we're salt and that we are light. We want to actually be salt and we want to actually be light in the context of the worlds in which we live. We want the characteristics, the potency, the power, the preservative effect of being salt and light. So it is that when it comes to salt, we know that in order for it to be effective, it must first have high potency. It must have the characteristic of salt. It cannot have lost its savor. It must have a high potency if it's going to accomplish what we need it to accomplish. And it must also be in close proximity. If the salt has lost its savor, how many know it's not going to have its desired effect? And if the salt isn't applied to something, if it is not closely interacting with something, then it has no value. You could have a piece of roast beef and gravy, but if the salt's across the table, it's not helping anything. There's too much distance between the things. And so therefore it has no value to help. So in order to do what the salt has been created to do, it must maintain its potency and it must be applied and closely interact with that which needs to be seasoned and preserved. I believe that these are two qualities that the Lord was thinking about when he called you and I to be the salt of the earth. For if we truly desire to be the salt of the earth, and have a spiritual impact on the lost that are around us, then we must make sure that we have a spiritually high potency about us. 
and that we are in close proximity to those that are unsaved. Now, I want us to look tonight at what it means to be a high potency Christian. It's not something we talk about all the time or a common phrase, but in reference to salt and the need for us to be like salt, I believe it is applicable, this phrase, high potency Christian, because I believe high potency Christians have three, and if you want to take notes tonight, that's fine. I believe high potency Christians who are truly being the salt that God has called them to be, have three essential traits in their lives. And I'll tell you the three, and then we'll talk about them, and then we'll be done. The first trait is authenticity. The second is compassion. And the third is a willingness to sacrifice. If a Christian, I firmly believe that if a Christian has these three qualities and are living out fully to the best of their ability these three characteristics and these things are operating in their life at a high capacity and a high potency, then they are going to be operating as God has called us to operate as the salt of the earth. And they're going to be effective soul winners for the kingdom of God. The thing we have to understand is that God did not just call some of us, and I, I, need, I need you to hear me now. God did not just call some of us to be the salt of the earth. He called all of us to be the salt of the earth. This is why in the series that we taught a little while ago on evangelism, we talked about uh, the culture of our church. And in order for evangelism to become cultural, we need at least 51% of the people doing it. Because it can't become culture if only 10% of the people are doing it. It's just something on a website and on a, uh, you know, on a phrase somewhere. And so we have to understand as Christians that it's not just a few people in the church that have been called to be salt. We've all been called to be the salt of the earth. And it's not a pastor that called you to do that or a minister that called you to do that. It was God himself that called you and I, everybody in this room, to be salt and light. And so if he called us to be the salt of the earth, then every one of us need to be exemplifying the characteristics of what it means to be the salt of the earth. We have no excuses for that. Well, this, you know, so-and-so, they're, they're the salt and I'm something else. No, we're all to be salt of the earth. Amen. Whether we believe it or not. We are all called to be the salt of the earth. And so we need to make sure that we are striving to have this spiritually high potency as salt. Authenticity. Authenticity. How many know when, when, when we speak of, when we speak of uh, all of us having uh, this call of God upon our lives to be, and I just want to stay on this for just a moment, to be salt and light. How many know we can't just say, well, that's just not my personality? Right? We can't all be Pastor Ron. Come on. 
It's just, you know, but we can't chalk it up to say, well, it's just not my personality, so I'll let somebody else do it. That only works if he only called some to be salt. But he called us all to be salt. Oh, hallelujah. So, therefore, if we are not meeting the mark of one of these areas of authenticity, compassion, or a willingness to sacrifice, we can't just make an excuse for it and say we're off the hook because of whatever. Because God expects us to be this. Therefore, we need to do whatever we can do in order to work towards becoming more potent in our Christianity in these three areas of our lives. So what does it mean? Authenticity, compassion, willingness to sacrifice. What does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean to live out our lives with sincere authenticity? To help answer that question, I, I want to refer you to a study that was done to <coughs> determine the qualities that we see in other people that bother us. Anything ever bother you about somebody else? <coughs> And so they kind of ranked all these different things and, well, this bothers me when I see it in other people and this bothers me and this bothers me and they ranked them all and, and, uh, and, and, and what they found at the very top of the list, the thing that bothered people the most when it was displayed in the lives of, uh, of other people was dishonesty. Someone who was two-faced, dishonest. Conversely, the quality that people found most attractive in the lives of others was authenticity or honesty. That was the top. Came across a story the other day during the, the Gulf War, a, a private walked into the office of a, of a colonel, and the colonel kind of gets the phone, and he gets on the phone, and he's talking on the phone, and he's, he kind of motions to the privates, you know, like, I can't talk to you right now. He said, I'm on the phone with General Schwarzkopf, who at that point, in that time, in, in, in was over all of the, you know, the, the, the garden fighting, all that kind of stuff over there, over the, all the war. And so this, this colonel was telling this private, he said, I can't talk right now. I'm on the phone with General Norman Schwarzkopf. And so he has this conversation, and then he hangs up, and he says, okay, private. He says, what can I do for you? And private said, well, I'm here to install your phone. He was faking the whole conversation. He just wanted the private to, 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 to make himself look good. Like he's talking to the head honcho. Phone's not even connected. See, this is a man who was not operating with much authenticity. We need to strive when in our Christian life, our everyday life, we need to strive to live out our authentic identity which is how God created us to be. Notice, you feel like in the day and age in which we live, you almost have to repeat that, how God created us to be. I'm not talking about anything that we might believe about ourselves that would be 
unbiblical or against God's plan or against God's purpose for our lives. I mean, no, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I created you for purpose. I, I had specific calling and purpose and personality in you and on you. I created you specifically to be uniquely you. Uh -huh. Oh, hallelujah. And the best way we are ever going to operate in life and the most effective we are ever going to be in our interaction with others is when we are being us. Who we are. Who God created us to be. Uniquely you. Now, I realize in all personalities, and you know, I, I please don't read into any of this, but you know, in all personalities, how I many know there's pluses and there's negatives? And so I'm not saying that we need to just say, hey, well, the negatives is just who we are, and blah blah blah. How I many know we need to work on those things? So I'm not just saying just go ahead and be the negative side of your personality, because that's not what we want, and that's not going to be helpful. We need to continue to strive to, 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 to be better in that. I'm, I'm simply trying to let somebody know that you don't have to become like somebody else in order to be an effective witness for the Lord. You don't have to be like brother so-and-so. You don't have to be like sister so-and-so in order to be a witness. Listen, God said, I want all of you to be salt. So therefore, who we are and the personalities that we have in some way, shape, or form, we have the potential of all of us being salt. Come on, somebody. It's not just for a few people. You don't have to be somebody else. We all have different callings. We all have different giftings. We all have different personalities. Please don't cross your name off the list of being salt of the earth simply because you don't have a gifting and a calling and a personality that somebody else has. you got to understand that there are things about your story there are things about your life, your personality, your mannerisms that will connect you with the lost in a way that nobody else can. Oh, hallelujah. Nobody else can do that. Nobody, there's people that only you can connect with because you're you. And there's people that only I can connect with because I'm me. Don't, don't, hear me, don't, and we're just trying to be practical and helpful tonight. Don't repress your God-given uniqueness in order to appear more spiritual. You don't have to, bless God. You don't have to come across as being all stoic and starchy and uptight just because maybe you think that's the way Christians are supposed to be. And I'm trying to win them to the Lord, so I got to put my best preacher voice on and get my Bible under my arm because, man, we're going to win the world, and this is the way you do it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like to joke around and laugh too much. I don't want to... 
kid around with the person because they need to know how serious it is for their life to be changed. I don't want to joke with them because eternity's long. And Here's the deal. If we become someone that other people don't want to be around, we're never going to have a chance to share the gospel with them anyway. And who wants to be around that person? You know what I'm saying? The best way to connect with people and to build genuine relationship with people is to be yourself. So just be your authentic self. Relax around lost people. Just relax. See, a lot of times what happens is Christians get around sinners and then sinners start doing sinners' things. And then we go, oh. And it's like, you went to them. You're at their house. You went to their party, their barbecue, their birthday deal, and now you're shocked that Bud Light is popping out of the coolers. Oh, I'm a Christian. I can't be around Bud Light. You're the one that drove to their house. You know what I'm saying? And then we get all weird and like, well, I'm a Christian. I can't be around this stuff. You know, the Bible says to come out from the world. And so, you know, Christians are like, well, I can't be around this because this is the world and I got to come out. You know, when it says come out from the world, it's not talking about the people. It's talking about the system. How many know there's a worldly system? We are to come out. Come on, Jesus. We are to come out of the worldly system. We're not to be a part of the worldly system. But it's not talking about the people. It is okay to be a Christian and be at a party when everybody's got a Miller light in their hands. Wow. And we don't have to feel weird and awkward and feel like we got to stand for righteousness. It's their party. You don't have to condemn and you don't you, you don't you don't want them to you don't want them to feel like, "Oh, you know, Mr. Religion's here, so we got to you know, we can't do anything that we normally would have done. Why? Because do you think those people are ever going to want to invite you back to their party? Now, how are you going to have influence? How are you going to have influence if they don't ever want you around because they don't like the way you make them feel because we're so Christian-y? Spell that word. So they got a Bud Light, we got a Coke can. And we're playing bags and having fun and talking and whatever. And we're not making them feel weird. And we're not making them feel awkward. And we're not coming across, you know, as being whatever. We're just being salt. Just be yourself. Just relax. Just be comfortable in who you are. And they're going to be drawn to that. And they're going to be like, hey, I like this guy. I like this lady. We'll invite them back to the next thing. We'll invite them back to the next thing. Amen. So, so this is a quick story. 
just in my head. So I went <clears throat> many years or months ago, I went and played pickleball, and, and uh, uh, I was talking to guys, like, yeah, it's good to be out here. I was like, yeah, it's good exercise, whatever. It's trying to make small talk. And, and uh, I said, yeah, I'm trying to do some exercise. Pickleball is the best thing I can find to do that I like. I said, I didn't really like running. I tried running. I said, I didn't really like running all that much. I said, here's the deal about running. I said, I, said, I hated it every minute I was doing it, but I liked it when I was done. And he said, that's the way I feel about church. Now, I could have been like, oh, bless God, I'm a pastor, and how dare you. I start laughing. I start laughing. And I said, I said man, that's, that's the funniest thing I heard all day. He's like, yeah. I said, you want to know why it's so funny? I said, because I pastor a church. I said, that was hilarious. And, you know, and he was like, well, it wouldn't be that way at your church, I'm sure. It wouldn't be that way at your church. But I've seen him multiple times since then, and we've had these conversations, and, you know, we're building whatever. How many know if I would have just, oh, man, you should never say that. You know, this lives are changed at church and whatever. See what I'm saying? Let's just, just laugh at it. Oh, you know, just, yeah, just be real. Just be real. Just be yourself. Secondly, we need to, talking about authentic, we, we need to express an authentic emotional life. This is how we are to live. If we're going to be salt, we need to be authentic in our emotional life. Let me explain. Don't try to deny or Christianize our feelings in order to appear more spiritual. Well, I don't, want to, I don't want them to, you know, people you're working with, building friendships with, all this kind of stuff, trying to get close to. I don't want them, I don't want to, I don't want them to see that I'm hurting because that, that might make them think that our God isn't big enough to help. Well, are you hurting? Yes. But I don't want them to know that I'm hurting. Because it may look like my God isn't as big as I want them to believe that he is. Or, you know, my, my current circumstances are, are bringing tears to my eyes, but I, I, I would never want them to see me crying because they might not want this Jesus that I have. Are you crying? Yes, I'm crying. I just don't want them to see it. So it's not that you're not crying, you just don't want them to see it. That's not authentic. So with that type of mindset, we always come across as being okay. Now, how is anybody going to relate to that? We always, with that mindset, we always come across as everything's fine, nothing is ever wrong, everybody's doing good at all times, at all places. How many people can relate to that? Nobody. Nobody can relate to that. So how are they going to want to connect with us if there's no relatability there? They're not. They're going to be like, man, that, just, that guy's weird or something. I don't know what his deal is. But I have no relatability with that guy or with that lady. A, or B, they're going to see right through it. Probably more so the B than the A. They're going to see right through it. This guy, 
This lady always pretends like everything is perfect. There's no way everything is always perfect in their life. And then they're going to think what? They're not being honest. And how far do you think that relationship's going to go? They're just, they're just not honest. We need to always remember Jesus wept openly and in front of everybody when Lazarus died. Lazarus was his friend. Now, he knew he was going to raise him. But the circumstance about everything with Lazarus and the sisters and everything that, that surrounded it, it brought Jesus to tears. And he cried openly in front of the whole crowd. If God in flesh can weep and mourn some sort of loss and pain or difficulty, then it doesn't make you or I any less spiritual if we do the same. Somebody said amen. It is okay to share our hurts and our grief and our suffering, even with people that aren't saved. It's okay to have a conversation with, with a, a friend that's not saved, a coworker that's not saved, and just express to them a loss that you're going through, something that's not going right. For Because of that, they're going to know this person is genuine. They're not trying to put on airs. They're not trying to pretend that there's something that they're not. They're not trying to come across as being so Christian-y that, that, that everything's perfect in their life and that because they have God in their life that they're just, you know, everything's perfect. They're, this person's going to know, man, they're real. And they go through the same things I go through. Come on now. Now what do you have? Connection. Now you have connection. But what they're also going to see through your honesty is that unlike them, you're not facing it by yourself. Is the struggle still there? Is there still loss? Is there still death? Is there still sickness? Is there still pain? Yes, 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 yes. There's the connection. But they're going to see in you, you're there's something different about your journey. Ooh, come on, Jesus. What an awesome testimony it is for them to see and know. Yes, you go through the same things that I go through, but you got a God that's helping you through it, and you got a church. Come on, how many times have we said, I don't know what people that don't have a church do in times like this? And they're going to see that. And it's not, you're not going to have to pound it into them. You're not going to have to, you know, try to convince them. But just in conversation, you're going to express to them the need, express to them the pain. I lost my loved one. I lost my whatever. I was tears and suffering, sickness, whatever. But, you know, what were you, you, sister from the church showed up. Brother from the church showed up. My community group surrounded. They were all there. They showed up with food. They showed up with this, that, or the other. They helped me. They prayed with me. And that person's like, oh my, I don't have that. I don't have that. But you never get to that point of revelation for that person if we always come across like we don't have any problems. Somebody said amen. Oh, hallelujah. So we need to be authentic in our emotional life. Got to hurry. 
while continually pointing to the Lord as our helper. We're not just being open emotionally and talking about our problems, just talking about our problems, but we're talking about the struggles while continually pointing to the Lord. But the Lord is on my side. But the Lord is my help. Somebody said amen. Thirdly, we need to not shy away from authentic confession. Now, this is kind of similar, uh, a little bit different, but it's, and I almost, just, just think with me now. I'm not talking about just going up to random strangers and blurting out all the mistakes you've made in your life. Okay, we got to use wisdom here. But I'm talking about being open and honest with someone that you're actively building a friendship with that is unsaved. It is okay in the context of true friendship to deal honestly with failure. Even if you're in church and they're not. First off, there's already a mindset that many unsaved people have that church and God is for those people who pretty much already have it together. Right? Church is for those people that are good. It's not a place for somebody messed up like me. A lot of the world has that concept. That's why it's important that we are honest when it comes to some of our past failures and present struggles. Now again, we're trusting that you're going to use wisdom here. Because some things that you struggle with, you need to only talk to somebody who can actually help you with it. The unsaved person isn't, has, doesn't have the tools necessary to help you with some of those things. And so you probably don't want to talk to them about that. But don't shy away from not talking about anything. We need to be willing to get honest with those that we are discipling, building friendships with about maybe some other struggles that are in our life. You know, you're... You're at the gym, you're wherever, you're talking to somebody, you're building a friendship with somebody, you're like, man, you know, I just, I, I really messed up as a, as a husband. I, I, you know, I, I forgot our anniversary or I forgot something or I, I said something to my wife I shouldn't have said. I blew up and stormed out of the house. Man, that's just, that's not how a, that's not how a husband is supposed to act. And man, I, I really need to do better in that. That is totally okay. You say, well, they're not saved. What are they, what are they going to think about me? And what are they going to think about the marriage? They're going to think you're a real person. Do you really think that all unsaved people believe that all Christian marriages are perfect? I mean, just look at the statistics of divorce in the church. We're not, you know. So we need to get honest about and, and be willing to, to authentically talk to these people in, in some of this stuff. You know, I, I just, you know, I, I, I worry. I worry more than what I should. I worry more than what the word of the Lord would, would want me to. I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of some things that, you know, really just as a Christian, I shouldn't be fearful of, but I, I, I'm fearful of these things. And I'm really praying and asking God to help me with these things. It's not that you're asking them for advice because they don't know what to do either. But guess what? 
they're fearful about stuff too. And their marriage isn't good, way probably way worse than yours. They worry about all kinds of stuff, way worse than what you do. And so now there's a connection. And now there's a friendship. And now there's, there's something that is, that is bringing the two of you together. But you don't just, you don't just talk about what's wrong. Then you, you use that as an opportunity in this friendship building thing. But thank God, I know, I know the Lord's going to help me. I know the Lord's going to help me. And I'm, I, I, got a, I got somebody in the church that, that you know, I'm going I'm to get some counseling. I'm gonna, me and my wife, we're going to go get some counseling. Ding, 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 ding. And then all of a sudden that person, six, you know, six weeks later is like, hey, how'd the counseling go? Man, better, way better. What, who, who's your counselor? Can I get their number? Me and my wife. See what I'm saying? This is how all this stuff works. We don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but if we can just be authentic, if we can just be real, if we can just be honest and not come across as perfect, there's, it, it'll cause there to be relatability that's going to open doors that we don't even have any idea about. Oh, hallelujah. Is this all right? But again, not only any of those things I just said, but ultimately the unsaved are too smart to expect perfection from Christians. They're not dumb. They're lost, but they're not stupid. Okay? Our world is not drawn towards perfect people because they know perfect people don't exist. And if we come across as being, you know, no problems, no issues, simply because we're a Christian, then they're going to see right through that. They're not going to be drawn to perfect people, but they will be drawn to honest people. Honest people. And as Holy Ghost-filled Christians, how many know we should be the most authentically honest people on the face of the earth? Oh, hallelujah. And lastly, just as it applies to the specific subject of authenticity, we need to have an authentic conviction about who we are and about what we believe. An authentic conviction. Hear me. Sinners are not impressed by spinelessness. So we need to stand up for who we are. We need to stand up for what we believe. We need to stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection. Listen, everybody else in our world is standing up for what they believe. It is totally okay for apostolics to have an authentic conviction about what we believe. Listen, we are to speak the truth in love, but we are to speak the truth. Come on, somebody. Listen, there are going would just settle it in your mind. There are going to be people who are will be turned off because of our authentic convictions about who we are. But there's also going to be a whole lot more people that are looking for someone who actually has something concrete. 
firm that they're holding on to. Why? Because this world is flopping all around everywhere. This world is up and down and all around. This world has nothing sure. This There is no sure foundation in the world. Somebody's looking. The world is looking for something that is sure, for something that is solid, for something that is steadfast. And they need to find an apostolic that said, hey, listen, I have... I was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've, I, this, I haven't just been in this for a couple of weeks. I've been serving the Lord for a long time, and he's never failed me. Woo! Through this and this and this and this, he's brought me through every storm. He's brought me through every trial. You can go do what you want to do. You can believe what you want to believe. God gave everybody a free will. But as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Why? Because he's been good to us. And he's been mighty good to us. And he's been with us through every storm and every trial and every tribulation. And he's healed my body and he's saved my soul and he's forgiven me. Woo. He's blessed my home and my marriage and my finances and my future and my children. He's given me purpose in life. I can't tell you what to do. You got to believe it for yourself. But I want you to know why I believe what I believe. Woo. Authentic conviction. Somebody said amen. Woo. So we see, I'm hurrying, that as high potency Christians, must first become diligent and intentional about being authentic and honest in how they live, conduct themselves, how they come across to people. What we have to understand is that people are watching us even when we don't know they're watching us. The word of the Lord says it like this in 2 Corinthians 3 and 2. Ye are the epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. In the context and, uh, of the worlds in which you and I live, there are many people that are reading us, looking at us, evaluating us. Whether we know it or not, whether we see it or not, they, are, they might not read the Bible, but they're reading you. And are we exemplifying the word of the Lord? It's imperative that we strive to live out our lives as authentically honest as we possibly can. Somebody said amen. Secondly, in order to truly be salt of the earth and a high potency Christian, we must allow compassion. Somebody say compassion. Everybody good? We must allow compassion to rule and reign in our lives towards others. The truth of the matter is this. It is biblically impossible to truly strive to be like Christ without also striving to grow in compassion towards others. For all throughout Scripture, we find Christ was continually moved with compassion when it came to the needs of others. Matthew 14 and 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 20, 34, and Jesus had come, uh, so Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received their sight and they followed him. Matthew 5, 19, howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. Somebody said amen. So therefore, if we are truly trying and striving to be like Christ, 
then we need to be growing in this area of having compassion or empathy towards the hurts, the needs, the problems, the struggles of other people. Oh, hallelujah. And again, this is not just for so-and-so and so-and-so in the church. This is for everybody. This is why the word of the Lord is instructing us to do when it says this in Philippians chapter 2 verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't get so caught up in you and your needs and your problems. He says we need to be looking out at the needs of other people. It doesn't mean that we're just to completely ignore our own needs. But we need to live out our Christianity in such a way where we see and we are aware and we are moved by the actions, and the needs, the problems, the tears of those that are around us. Somebody said amen. The word of the Lord would instruct us like this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be ye all one mind and one mind, having compassion one to another. One to another. Oh, hallelujah. Now, here's the thing. Now, here's the thing. Most people want to believe that they are empathetic towards the needs of others. There's not a lot of people that say, yeah, I'm self-centered. Right? Now, other people see it, but very few self-centered people see it. Very few selfish people recognize that they're selfish. Most people don't see it, don't want to see it, use excuses, whatever. But just because we may think we're empathetic, just because we may think we're compassionate towards other people, doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Come on now. Just because we don't think we're self-centered doesn't mean we're not self-centered. So here's what we're going to do. Who's Ushers, you got the paper? Somebody, can you help? Can you help, Brother Russell? We'll get these out quick. We'll hand them out as quick as we can. Here's what we're going to do. Because here's the deal. If I got up here and said, hey, we, we can't be self-centered. Very few of us in the room would say, well, he's preaching to me. Right? We can't be selfish. Well, he, I don't know who he's preaching to, but he's not preaching to me. Right? Come on, let's just get honest. So, what you're being handed right here is a little quiz. little quiz. You got to... We're going, to take, we're going to take 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. I don't know. We'll see. And if you don't finish, then you, you can finish later or something. But here's, here's what I want you to do. If you got a pen, can somebody give me one of those? <clears throat> Listen, I know this is different, but it's okay. This is an empathy quiz. Now here's, <laughs> now here's the deal. You're in church, so don't lie. You shouldn't lie outside of church either, but. Listen, 
before, before you start, listen. Don't circle what you want to be. Don't circle what you think you should be. Circle what you, what we've been talking a lot about being honest, right? Circle what you are. Now, here's the deal. You're not going to turn this in. You're not going to put your name on it. If you're sitting close to somebody and they're peeking over your shoulder to see what they write, feel free to scoot over a chair. <laughs> you, nobody else needs to see this. Nobody else needs to know. All I wanted us to do tonight, and we'll just take a few minutes, kind of, if you don't finish, you, don't, you, can, you can finish at home. But I, just, I want to give us a few minutes, and I wanted you to just look at this, and I wanted us to just be open and honest with ourselves, with ourselves. And if we see, man, I'm, I'm circling some stuff here that I wish I wasn't circling, but I'm circling it because it's honestly what I feel, it's honestly what I think, it's honestly who I am then I want, I want you to make that a matter of prayer. Does that make sense? We'll give you a couple minutes. Go ahead. We got, a, we got some pins. Anybody need a pin? We just got two or three right here, Michaela, and then you can take the test.
I'll give you about four more minutes. Doesn't matter if you don't finish tonight. You can, like I said, you can take it home, finish it at the house, whatever. Four more minutes. I'm going to cut it off. Here's the deal. Go ahead and pins down. Pins down, heads up. <clears throat> Here's the deal. Honestly, I, I think it would be good. Uh, if I, I know there's several questions. Some of them you really probably had to think about. And I think it would be good if you didn't finish to go ahead and take that home and to find a, find a time to, to finish it. But here's, here's what I was hoping for tonight is to give you enough time to answer enough questions that you saw a pattern, okay? You might not have finished it all, but you saw a pattern. Maybe you were pleased with the pattern. Maybe you weren't pleased with the pattern. But what I want us to do is, again, we talked about the salt that evaporated. It looked like salt, but it didn't have the potency of salt. I don't want us to just think we're something. We want to be something. I don't want us to just think we're compassionate, selfless, others-focused. I don't want us to just think we're those things. Because if we think we're those things but we're not those things, then we're not going to be an effective soul winner. Okay? And the problem is when you think you're something that you're not, then you're not going to be an effective soul winner for the rest of your life. See what I'm saying? And you're always going to blame it on other people. You're going to blame it, oh, they just don't want the gospel. Oh, they just they just don't want what I have. No, you know, they're just, uh, you know, whatever. You're always going to blame other people because you don't see the thing in you that is bringing the conflict. And the thing they see in you is they're just not real compassionate. It's all about them. Every conversation is about them. 
Every time we get together, it's all about them. So why would somebody want to build a relationship with you when it's always about you? See what I'm saying? But if you don't recognize that about yourself, then you think they just don't want the truth. They just don't want God. Man, I'm out there. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. Bless God, you know. But they just don't want it. They just don't want it. Well, it, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's us. Okay? So let's, let's, let's do this quiz and let's be honest with it. And if we start seeing like, hey, I want to circle this, but I know it's not true. And I know this is more true, and, and I don't like what I'm having to circle, then we can say, okay, this is something that I can begin to pray about, work on, strive to do better in, so that I can be a high potency Christian that can be effective in the kingdom. Somebody said amen. Hallelujah. So we need to be authentic. Somebody say authentic. We need to be compassionate. Somebody say compassionate. It's 846. Lastly. We need to be, have a willingness to sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. The thing, the, the, the reality is this. If we're going to truly build a friendship, truly disciple a sinner, win somebody to the Lord, we're going to have to become willing to sacrifice our time in order to make that happen. Sometimes we Christians... In our zeal, hear me carefully, and I'm almost done. In our zeal and in our understanding of that lost person's need of salvation, we can push relationships faster than what they should be. And many times that turns the person away from us. Right? Because we don't want to necessarily, it's like, hey, if we have an opportunity to spend some time with the person, okay, this is art, this is time, and we're going to spend this time, and I've only got a certain amount of time that I can spend with this person, so I really got to make it count. So the first five minutes into the play date or the coffee, whatever, I got I to gotta open up the word of the Lord and start, I got to find some way to start, you know, Telling them about Jesus. And we push, 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 push. Because, but what we have to understand is sometimes it's a sacrifice of time. That what you're trying to accomplish in one coffee date probably needs to happen over five coffee dates. But we don't want to sacrifice the time for five. We just want to get it done in one because that saves us four. See what I'm saying? So God really convicted me about this just the last day or two. Lady I'm working with, and she was here a couple, you know, month or so ago trying to win to the Lord. And uh, we kind of, we lost, she had surgery. I wasn't able to see her. We played pickleball together. She wasn't there for a couple weeks. I didn't get to see her. And then we had family camp, and we were busy all week down there, and we came home, preached, left for two weeks for vacation. So I hadn't talked to her for like a month, okay? So yesterday, 
So I'm praying, all this kind of stuff. I'm getting convicted. God's like, hey, I gave you this person, and, you know, you haven't talked to her for a month, and I'm, I'm okay. And so I, I text her yesterday, and I said, hey, hope you're doing well. And then I said, hey, I just wanted to know, uh, I'd still love to teach you that Bible study, you and your sister, that Bible study that we talked about. Are you still interested in that? Now, in and of itself, that question isn't necessarily wrong. But I hadn't talked to her for a month. And in the first two sentences of the text that she received from me, the first one in a month, what am I trying to do? Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. What I should have done is just apologized for not reaching out to her and genuinely care to ask her how she's doing and just slowly rebuilt the friendship. Say a prayer because she didn't text me back. I hope everything's all right. But just that's what I should have done. I should, hey, how you doing? How's it going? I know you had surgery. How you feeling? Is there anything I can do for you? Do you need anything? I just want you to know I'm praying for you. But I was. So we need to understand that we're, we're only going to have a shot at winning them to the Lord. If here, this is so important, church. Please listen. I'm almost done. We are only going to have a shot at winning them to the Lord if we are genuinely their friend. Well, we need to, you know, we, we got to build a friendship and do stuff with them so we can win them to the Lord. Well, yes, but you have to genuinely be their friend. If we're just doing those things to win them to the Lord, then we're not genuinely their friend. You see what I'm saying? We need to actually be their friend, whether they come to church or not. Well, you know, they're just, they don't want anything. You know, it's, it's been three coffee dates and they, they're not baptized yet, so forget them. You know, I've got to move on to somebody that wants it. Well, then you weren't their friend. And guess who else saw that you weren't their friend? <laughs> that person. And then we think, well, they just don't want it. And they think, well, they, they just weren't very friendly. Right? They, they, didn't want, they didn't want me for me. They didn't want to connect with me just to connect with me. They wanted me to do something that they wanted me to do. They wanted me to go to their thing, be a part of their church. Now, from our perspective, we're like, yes, you need to be a part of our church. But they don't know our perspective. From our context, we know, yes, you need what I have. But from their context, they don't know that. The only thing they know is you. Come on, somebody. And when the you that they see is not genuine or authentic or friendly, then why would they want anything that you have or I have to offer? And so we try to force because we sometimes don't want to take the sacrifice of time. And we want to jump into it and jump right to Acts 2 and push. And it's like, ah. And then they're like, they're like well, hey, man, I just, I just wanted a friend. 
I just wanted a friend. Somebody said amen. So if we truly love them like we say we love them, and if we truly desire to be their friend, then we do for them what friends do for friends. How many friends do you have that are like, well, man, I got five minutes for you. Right? It's like, okay, well, we're not going to be friends for very long. But if that's how we are to the unsaved, because, you know, we've got this whole God concept and, you know, we've got to do this, you got to do this, they're never going to connect with us. So we have to be willing to sacrifice the time necessary that we also sacrifice for friends. We can't, we can't look at like, well, these are our friends and these are just the people we're trying to win to the Lord. So I do friend stuff with my real friends and then I just do everything I'm supposed to do with these people to try to win them to the Lord. I go to coffee because I want to go to coffee with this person and I want to sit and talk and share with this person because they're my friend. I do it with this person because that's what I have to do to win them to the Lord. That's not what we're supposed to do because guess who sees through that? This person. What we do for this person is what we should do for this person. I genuinely want to be your friend. I genuinely want to connect with you. I genuinely want to have coffee with you. I genuinely want to hang out with you and do stuff with you. Yes, yes, I want you to be saved. But I want to be your friend. Genuinely want to be your friend. Because guess what? Sometimes, sometimes... Our friends that we went to the Lord, sometimes it takes five years. Sometimes, listen, let me say, sometimes friends that, that, that you connect with that are unsaved, their marriages are good. There's a lot of really good marriages in the world. There's a lot of really bad marriages in the world too. But there's good marriages in the world. Right? Right? And everybody's healthy, and the finances are good, and the bills are paid, and there's no problems. And if, if they just don't have a real understanding of their need for salvation, they're probably just going to keep doing what they're doing. Come on, somebody. And so guess what? You just keep being their friend. And their friend, and their friend, and their friend, and nothing happens in two years and three years. But then year four comes along, and the floor falls out. And because there's a friendship, they know where to go. But if we just tried to force this and, and didn't want to sacrifice the time and said, well, man, I, you didn't want it in the first two coffee dates, and so I got to move on to somebody else, we never get to year three or year four, or whatever it takes. Does that make sense? We can't, church, we can't just be friendly. We have to build friendships. If you're going to win someone to the Lord, it's not necessarily just because you're friendly with them. It's because you are a friend. Somebody said amen. Amen. 
Is this all right? So be authentic. Let's stand. Be authentic. Be compassionate. Be willing to sacrifice. I cut through some of that sacrifice stuff. How many know, how many know we're going to have to sacrifice not just our time, but money, schedules, right? Sacrifice a lot of things. You say, well, I'm doing it to win their soul. Yeah, yeah. But it, we also, that's what we do for friends. It's what we do for friends. Be authentic. Be compassionate. Be willing to sacrifice. And if we will exemplify those characteristics every day in the context of the worlds that which we live, we're going to be sold. Somebody said amen. Could you lift your hands? Lift your hands and just thank the Lord for his word. Ask him to talk to you, help you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for talking to us tonight. Thank you for helping us tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord.